Kilda Koto. Welcome to Nurtured TLC podcast with Dr. Katie and um, Teresa from TLC Lactation Consultant. Um, and also, I have with me um, my littlest one, Anna, who um, is busy resisting nap time. So you might hear little baby noises here and there, which are adorable. And only add to the ambience. <laughs> yeah. And now that we've started recording, she's probably going to decide she actually does want to nap. But we'll see how we go. <laughs> Always the way it is. Yeah. Um, so today we were going to talk about, um, well, we're going to pick up where we left off from our last podcast, which was about hyperlactation. Um, We were thinking of um, changing the perspective a little bit and just looking at it from um, how, like strategies of how we can help our babies to cope when um, a mum has a fast, um, fast flow. Yeah, so I was just mentioning that before, like I always look at things from both perspectives, like how is the mother coping? How are the breasts coping? So kind of on the mother's side, and then how is the baby coping with all of that? We didn't quite get to that part of it last time. So um, you were mentioning last time your story with having a bit of hyperlactation unexpectedly. And I love that story because it was something you hadn't experienced before. So you had a little taster of what that feels like. Did you notice with Anna any issues with coping with the flow of milk when you had more than she needed? I think um, I think she actually coped with it quite well. Um, she's, she's a bit distractible with breastfeeding at the moment. So um, a couple of times she would latch on and then pull off and then show me that this you know the milk just kind of spraying out which I whenever I think back I'm like wow that's such an amazing sight to see and totally like like um explains that that Greek mythology of how we got our galaxy like how our galaxy was named (laughs) from here I sprang her milk across the sky yeah exactly and I always thought wow that seems really dramatic but I'm like yeah cool I can I can see how anyway that came about as a little bit of a tangent um but I think probably um that the pulling off and letting it spray did help her to cope as well that's that's a really good point no babies are very smart and I see that all the time like they they have this kind of coping mechanism to let go and come away when the flow is too much which is great you know let them do that and if a baby has the um, the positional, what I call, like to call the positional stability, if the baby's body is seated in such a way that, that he or she can do that, that's great that they can pull away. I do often see parents feeling like the flow is fast and wanting to pull the baby away when the baby is not indicating that. So that's something I actually don't recommend because then they get really pissed off. <laughs> babies don't like to be interrupted in the feed so I would rather see the baby making that choice rather than the parent yeah that's a good point um I guess 
with with feeding in the laid back position that gives the baby the stability and also the freedom to like do what they need to with their head yeah it's gravity is such an important factor to 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 add to the mix like we we kind of don't really think about gravity much it's it's not just a good idea it's the law as the joke says that gravity is around us all the time we don't really just pay attention to it until you drop something but the force of babies feeling gravity on their bodies can actually drag them away from the nipple and then then they're desperately trying to hold on and if it's a case of fast flow then they're getting you know the milk is not going to be easy for them to cope with because of airway mm. so that's something that um is oddly enough babies choose to breathe over eating you know like they they love breathing and if breathing is threatened in any way there's going to be they'll let go they'll stop mm. so giving them a mm. space where they can do the 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 patterning of suck swallow breathe suck swallow breathe in a way that they can actually manage i like yeah. that suck swallow breathe pattern when i hear it like it makes me so happy like it's very satisfying to hear that and i'm always listening to the baby's mm -hmm. patterning because if i start to hear suck swallow suck swallow and then a big gasp of breath that's a sign that the baby's not coping not managing that right pattern very well at all right like swallowing frantically and then having to take a break gasping gulping mm. i kind of i i don't know if you've done this i actually have just recently like i swallowed too much like just took too much of a mouthful because i wasn't paying attention and when i swallowed it it kind of hit my throat and it felt like it was stretching my throat as I was swallowing. It was really awful. And I just had this immediate thought of, like, what do babies feel like if they're getting too big of a mouthful? Because we don't think of our mouthful of what we're eating and drinking as being, but it's just right. Like, we have kind of, this is a mouthful. And more than that is not really good. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Um when if when they're sort of positioned where the milk is almost like pouring into the airway they're they're forced to do these big swallows in order to keep the airway clear aren't they and babies will get distressed by that which you can imagine like if your airway is feeling threatened not happy about that I always think of um, those two aspects, like the, the flow of the milk coming out quickly is one of it, one of the things, but the baby's ability to manage it is kind of a separate, separate issue. With the parents who are um, worried about the fast flow and wanting to take the baby off, what do you think? is happening there like they're aware that the flow is really fast and then worried about the baby they hear the sounds i think are very it i think that one of the things parents worry about is swallowing air and mm -hmm. this again we talked before about the dreaded cultural messages like swallowing air is considered 
like a really, really scary thing because then we feel like they're going to have gas, abdominal pain, something like that. And so parents are trying very hard to prevent this air swallowing. But by taking the baby off and the baby crying, baby's crying actually causes air swallowing. So I feel Gosh. like it's it's counter counterproductive. And letting yeah. them come off when they choose to will result in less frustration and upset for the baby. Mm. I've also seen it where um, the parents get worried or um, that the baby comes on and off a little bit when the flow is really fast. Like they, right. it's like the other, it's almost like the opposite to um, what we were describing before in that they're trying to keep the baby on, but the baby yes. is saying, yeah. I just need a, like a little break or, or just, I just need to come off a bit to manage the flow or let it go and then come back on when it's more, um, when it's not as fast. Yeah, that's a really good point because I think both of those things are kind of opposite sides of the same coin, like trying to manage what's happening, but not quite reading what the baby is trying to say. Like if a baby is on the breast and sucking and swallowing, even though it's coming out really fast, but the baby's going like, yep, I can manage this. Good idea to just go with it. And then on the other hand, if the baby is popping on and off, on and off, that might be a clue if there is fast flow involved. If <laughs> there are other reasons why babies do that, obviously, but if that's mm. one of the reasons and you suspect that it's because the flow is fast, like giving your baby a break and saying, okay, let's give you a bit of a, um, a swaying back and forth. I like a little body rock or a bit of pat on the bum. <laughs> give some <laughs> yep. sensory distraction and see if that will just calm everything down and then but keeping baby near enough the nipple this is one other tip that I really like to mention is when you're doing kind of a break staying near enough to the breast like kind of in between the two breasts that your baby can manage to get back towards the nipple especially when they're little when they're bigger they just do what they want but a smaller baby mm -hmm. taking them up away and over the shoulder can really get babies to, again cry and be upset because they know they're too far from the food and if they're kind of not mm -hmm. done but wanting a break they just want to stay literally centimeters away for that break yeah and if they're not not completely taken away they can just latch themselves back on as soon as they're ready there's another yeah speaking of which there's another really important component of self-latching Babies that do a little bit of hunting for the nipple do better than those that are actively latched in terms of coping with fast flow because babies need a little bit of lead time, like preparation. Mm -hmm. So if a baby is near the nipple, but not the nipple is not quite by the lips, they do a little bit of mm -hmm. opening, gaping, searching, and licking, and all of those mm -hmm. things prepare the mouth to do the thing <laughs> that you need to do. Um, so I like to also advocate for that. Hmm, it's like you're giving the baby um, a bit of time to organize themselves and orientate and figure out where they are and getting all those instincts lined up. Who am I? Where am I? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> 
And I love, I actually love that as part of latching when babies look up at the mother's face, like just, you know, kind of just checking the environment a little bit, like <laughs> what's the lay of the land? <laughs> Where are we and what are we doing? Although a lot of babies will latch with their eyes completely closed, but it just kind of gives, I, I love the word context. That's one of my big, my big things in life is I, I like context personally. So I kind of see that in babies kind of looking for touch clues, like sensory. A nice moment um, for like connecting with mum as well, isn't it? Not just like, it's not just about the food. There's kind of like totally. a preamble. We're sitting down at the dinner table and here I am. And here are all the other people in my family involved in this meal. <laughs> it's like a little symphony. It has to have all the little pieces and components. Yeah. Mm. And viewing it more as a process rather than a calorie delivery event there's there's so many other mm. things that are going on and allowing yeah. um a bit more time sometimes babies do well with just a few extra seconds of of orientation time with me i love that like it seemed to kind of make sense but then on the other hand I saw that women with a very slow flow and a low production, the babies would drink more in reclined position. So it can't be slowing the flow. It was actually, doc actually Dr. Yvonne Lafort that kind of, um, she, she kind of gave me the key to unlock this mystery of why it helps in both cases. It's the tongue positioning. When the mother is reclined back, the baby reclines forward and the tongue comes forward. That's like such an interesting concept because tongue forward position helps to slow milk if it's too fast, but it also helps to extract milk when it's coming slowly. Win-win. So good rationale for both of those. Um, when I'm like picturing it in my mind, it's also um, like if the tongue is coming forward, there's more breast in contact and more breast in the mouth as well so more breast tissue filling up the baby's mouth and and that helps them to manage which again going back to that theory i used to think this i thought this when i was a breastfeeding mother that if i tipped back there would be less breast in the baby's mouth and so i worried about that yeah i thought that too actually when i like you want to put it in and lean forward into the baby. Like a bottle, stick it in. And then also understanding the mechanics of the chin. And when the chin does a rest, then the mouth actually opens like this, not like this, which I'm showing with my hands, which is not very helpful. But it's like, you know, it opens up more like a lever on the top rather than like this bullseye motion. It's an asymmetric latch, we like to say. That brings us um, nicely to the, the position of the head and the neck as well, because if you've got your tongue and your chin forward buried in the breast and um, your head, the baby's head is tilted back like you would if you were drinking. So that allows you to open Drinking your mouth. Position. And, yeah, exactly. So it all kind of fits in nicely. And also like, clears mm. the airway. Mm. Like the airway being clear is really, I don't think we talk enough about that. Like this chin away from the chest position is, is really a safety feature. And sometimes mm. even the way we hold a newborn baby is 
kind of crunching them up with the chin to chest that it's not great for their airway. But for feeding, that's really important. Yeah. To coordinate that suck, swallow, breathe that's happening. Mm. Mm. So to allow them to open their mouth wider, you know, as they they tolerate um, and to get as much breast tissue into the mouth. So when I do antenatal classes, I usually tell parents to put their chin down next to their chest and then ask them to open their mouth as wide as they can. And then I tell them to kind of take the chin away from the chest and open the mouth as wide as they can. And they really get that kind of that difference. And I also do that drinking position comment. I think it's helpful visual. Yeah, I um, actually I do the same thing. Um when I teach the GP registrars, just to talk a little bit about the basics of um, positioning and getting a deep latch, I, get, I ask for a volunteer to drink, take a, take a drink from their cup of tea or their drink bottle. And then they're like, oh, okay. Because I think it's hard to conceptualize, like, what do you mean when you say get a deep latch? Yeah, well, that's, it's very subjective. Like, what is deep? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? And and I think we've spent a lot of time in the last hundred years kind of having this idea of the parent is like cupping the breast and then the baby is kind of somewhere, you know, like 10 centimeters away in thin air. And we're waiting for this mouth to open, close, open, close like a snapping turtle. And then you quickly predict when the mouth is going to be open and jam the nipple in. That's... <laughs> It's not at all what babies do. They they don't they can't see that well, first of all, when they're tiny. And half the time their eyes are closed, so touch. Touch is important to get that deep latch. Burrowing. And then once the, the latch is quite good, the flow the coping with the flow is easier as well. Tell me more about positioning. What else do you do with positioning? Um, I was just going to mention that um, Nikki Mills' work with um, looking at the what the what the milk flow is like um, with the video fluoroscopy of a baby breastfeeding um, found that when a baby is in a like a prone position, so basically the baby is leaning forward, um, like lying on top of mum, that is a very protective position for the airways because. Um, like it's kind of like a weird design, but when they're when they're feeding, um, when you're eating as well, because we all have the same kind of anatomy with um, the the windpipe in front of the esophagus, which is the food pipe. So it it has to like cross over um, the 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 airflow and the food flow, um, like crosses over at the back of the throat, and they have to tr- like somehow get into the right pipes. <laughs> um, so when when a baby is um, leaning forward, um, actually that's when gravity is helping the milk to flow around the wound pipe towards the food pipe. Um, and if they're more like kind of laid on their back um, in that more traditional, you know, the cradle hold or uh, the rugby ball hold, then they lose that um that helping hand of gravity so that it's easier for the milk to sort of overflow into the windpipe rather than around it. It's fascinating. I love the work she did with that. Mm. Love it. 
Yeah. It's really changing a lot of what we thought was true and correct mm. because she was able to visualize it. Yeah. And particularly in, um, I think she did the study on some of the babies with um, laryngomalacia. So um, their, their uh, uh, voice box or the windpipe is top of the top of the um windpipe is the voice box is more like a little bit more floppy um so particularly for those babies feeding can be a challenge because it's hard for them to manage their airway as well as their suck swallow breathe um so she found when she positioned the baby um again sort of on their front on top of mum they actually feed much better when when she videoed their um feeding it's so interesting, the impact of culture and kind of social media on how feed positions should look as opposed to what mm. the biology is and yeah. how, like I just a couple of years ago went through one of the biggest museums in the world in St. Petersburg, Russia, and there were lots of Madonna feeding child artworks yeah. from yeah. hundreds of years ago, none of them were using a cradle position. Hmm. The Madonna herself didn't use the Madonna hold. You find <laughs> that very ironic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's interesting because um, often the laid back position or um, the other words for it are like um, biological nurturing or semi-reclined or deck chair. Um, it sometimes gets looked upon as a new thing. But um, again, Dr. Yvonne Lefort um, said, if you look further back, you know, Victorian feeding chairs, they all have this nice recline for the mum. Yeah, I go to the museums here in Auckland, some of the, um, the old historical villages where they have like a setup of the, the furniture and the clothing and all of that. And you see over in the corner a little, and it has a little label on it, Victorian nursing chair, and very much reclined back. In the womanly art of breastfeeding, um, they did suggest if a mom notices that she has fast flow, then she can like let it spray out into a towel. Or sometimes I'll suggest a bowl because people are sort of caught up on trying to save the milk. Um, but like we said in the in the previous episode, for these moms, often they're not suffering from not having enough milk, so it's okay to let some of that go and do what's convenient. So it could be like a muslin or or just a towel, and then um, letting the fastest bit go into the towel. And so I would I would actually say to trigger that with your hands, doing reverse pressure softening. Mm -hmm just pressure mm -hmm. at the base of the nipple. Because again, what I often hear is that baby will start to drink. And as soon as the mother feels the letdown, she takes the baby off. Mm, okay. If baby comes off, it's good to let it spray. Yeah. But if you're going to interrupt the baby and then you have a crying baby and you're trying to let the milk spray onto a muslin yes. <laughs> while baby screams, you're probably <laughs> not getting ahead. Everyone's going to get a milk shower and then the baby will not be heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to choose choose your moment. So if you can trigger that for just, you know, do it for just a half a minute before latching, mm. that can be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if, um, can you tell us a little bit more about reverse pressure softening since I don't think we talked about it yeah, before? I, yeah, that's um, a technique where either using one hand or two hands, you place the um, pad of the fingertip 
pressing near the base of the nipple and pushing back towards the chest wall and holding for about a count of 20, 30 seconds. And what that does is it pushes reverse. It pushes back towards the chest wall. It can trigger a letdown in some cases. It may not always. And it also is softening the area around the base of the nipple that if a breast is quite firm and hard, particularly in the areola area, it can really help Mm -hmm. make latch more comfortable. So reverse pressure softening Mm -hmm. is a great little trick. Mm, Thank you. Um, And if if moms aren't doing reverse pressure softening, do you have any tips for how they can trigger um, their letdown manually to manage that fast flow? Sometimes a bit of boob dancing, breast gymnastics, just holding underneath the breast and moving the breast around side to side and up and down can trigger that. Uh, Some mothers will do just like the same positioning that you would use for hand expression. But Mm -hmm. the, um, just the caveat is not to really try to collect a lot of it. Just have Mm. just the initial bit. Um, But if you're using the boob dancing breast gymnastics technique, that often will loosen a bit of that tension we talked about in the last episode, the tension in the breast, that pressure valve. And that alone can just help the baby to cope with the flow because it doesn't come out with quite the same force. Oh, that's fascinating. One other trick that I really love Mm. is if you are pressing, if what baby, for example, is feeding on the left, you can actually push the base of your hand to the right nipple quite firmly, mm-hmm. like your, um, the, um, the, yeah, just push on the breast. And that's, that's like pushing on a handbrake. Mm-hmm. It slows down the flow on both breasts. So you can actually use your hand pressing on the opposite nipple to slow down milk on the side that the baby's feeding them from doesn't work with multiples because babies are both feeding at the same time but yeah it's a handbrake so it stops you leaking all over the other side plus it slows down the fast side for the baby that's currently feeding great sometimes women will complain like somebody else's baby is crying and countdown and the milk starts to let down and they're starting to feel like they're going to get wet and pressing the the base of your hand to both breasts can stop that mm-hmm. so you don't flood yourself if you're but that can work on one side as well great that's so interesting I learned something new today thank you you didn't know you have a handbrake Katie well, I think I just never had to use it or or if I did I never really um noticed what it was doing on the side I'm currently feeding on because I normally don't have a fast flow problem Right. That's, yeah, that's a thing. And mothers love this because they, they love to have kind of a tool that they can use that it's kind of, you know, putting things within their, you know, their control, that's something useful that can, they can see the results. Very empowering. Another tool in the parenting toolbox or the breastfeeding toolbox. That's right. Lovely. Thank you, Teresa. Um, so we'll catch you again next time. Always good to talk to you, Katie. Bye. Just a quick boring disclaimer, none of the information discussed in the podcast is um, is supposed to be medical advice. If after listening to this podcast you have any specific questions,
questions, feel free to reach out or put our email address in the show notes.